Welcome to the Situation Report for December 11th, 2023. It's Colonel Murray and uh, little B-52's Rock Lobster. That's that's a long song. I uh, <laughs> That song never gets old. I've been listening to it forever. It still cracks me up every time I hear it. Those guys were nuts. Just like uh, <clears throat> there was a bunch of, of uh, groups and bands back then that were that were amazing. I mean, Devo, you had uh, Psychedelic Furs, you had uh, Violent Femmes, I had all kinds of weird bands that, that had, uh, I love Violent Femmes, by the way, those guys are too funny, but uh, I saw Devo in Psychedelic Furs, uh, I think it was at, uh, it was at, uh, or was it, a brewery in Seattle, and it was, they had the, they had the hats on, the whole nine yards, it was priceless absolutely priceless so it just seemed like one of those days I, I don't know about the rest of you but all weekend was like abject frustration all everything everything all weekend long abject frustration for so many different reasons everything was frustrating and uh <clears throat> it, it just i think it typifies the current situation and you could you could feel the visceral anger across the entire country because it's like I've been I've been back in X um, thanks to to uh, Matt Bracken and Michael Yon for a couple of weeks now and I said I wouldn't do it and those guys are like you gotta go you gotta get back to to uh, to X we can we can share content with you we can we can get you into um different groups and in front of different people and and i my my answer to michael yon was i really don't care i'm not a journalist i i'm just doing this to get people prepared at this point i don't care about the notoriety in fact i could walk away from it tomorrow and be perfectly fine and 
you know, Matt Bracken had a good point, which by the way, shout out to Matt for, for taking my call this weekend and sorting through some of the issues with the last sit rep. There's a deal with rumble that all of you have probably seen where it will post to how the West was lost, which is the, the primary channel that I post under instead of posting to this channel. I don't know why it does that, but like one, every one in 10 or one in 20 sit reps, it'll post out there for whatever reason, no matter what settings I use when I set up the live stream. So anyway, um, kudos and uh, shout out to Matt for, for uh, talking through a lot of that. And uh, we'll probably see him more. We won't see him this week, um, but we'll see him in, in future weeks. I, I I did a couple of things I normally don't do. So I put a standing um, a standing invitation to Matt and Michael Yon to jump on the roundtables for uh, Wednesdays with um, Colonel Conrad and Troop because that. We we have a, all of us have similar backgrounds, but we we tend to agree and then we tend to disagree on certain topics. And in this case, Troop and I we're not diametrically opposed on the election process and the election system, but I'm opposed to um, telling people to go out and, and be a part of that system if that system's not going to be we're not going to be able to reform it. And he's of the other opinion that we have to expose it. And I think, you know, I think we did that over over 2020 and 22. We exposed just how corrupt and how broken the entire election system is and how co-opted it's been by the elite. Um, so I agreed to disagree with him. And his point's valid. Um, my point's valid, too. A preponderance of the population doesn't care anymore because they, they see it's just a selection process now for whoever they want, not representative of the people. So you can make a case for both sides. So this is one of those cases where I'll just agree to disagree and, you know, um, move forward. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is are we going to make it to 24? And I still say we're not going to make it to 24. And I say that for a very specific reason. If you look at 2020 and you look at what they did with COVID, the way they message it, they started messaging this in March. They shut down the country at the end of March. They kept a shutdown until June. Then they used the fear porn to bring everybody into masks, data and science. Remember that? Data and science, data and science. And then they used COVID and the mask mandates and then the vaccines to push people to do mail-in voting and absentee ballots. And they tainted the voter rolls, they tainted the ballot boxes, they had people stuffing ballot boxes. Every way they could cheat, they cheated. And now they're trying to use lawfare to keep people silent, and it's not working. Interesting thing that's going on right now is they've, they've switched narratives away from Ukraine, and now they're switching it away from, from Gaza. Um, from what I understand, Gaza, there was a, they're, they're surrendering in mass. I don't know how true that is, but supposedly that conflict is going to be over within days, whatever the hell that means. But they they always need a boogeyman. They always need something else to go after. And you would assume that they would go after the climate with this COP 
28 going on right now. But what's really happening? It's failing. It's failing because the world realizes it's a scam. And more importantly, they're setting conditions. They're trying desperately to set conditions to push in a social scoring system, carbon credits, and a digital currency. And this week, Elizabeth Warren, held a, she held a, I don't want to say it was a congressional hearing, but it was a congressional, it was a congressional hearing, for lack of a better word, where she had Jamie Dimon come in, and he basically said what the elite really wanted to say for, you know, two decades. We want to do away with, with cryptocurrency because it's used for fraud, criminality, it's used by cartels, it's used by drug traffickers, hama hama. It's, it's all the same narrative, right? If we don't have control of it, then the nefarious elements in our society are using it to their advantage. So therefore, we must eliminate it and bring in a system of control that only we can manage because we're the only ones that know how to do anything. And we know better than you do. So we're going to continue to control everything as much as we possibly can, including your lives. And it's not working. I, I, I laugh at the comments on Twitter, and I've I've flamed Elizabeth Warren all week. I, I will say, there is a certain amount of gratification in being able to directly call somebody a shitbag on Twitter and not have to go through True Social or another medium. Though this goes directly to them, directly. This week I called out John Kerry. I called Elizabeth Warren, Al Gore. Um, Jay Inslee in Washington State. I hate that son of a bitch more than I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers combined. My God, the terrible towel used to drive me crazy, but now it pales in comparison to Jay Inslee. We have seen so much criminality in the last two years. And there's a, there's a certain amount of guilty pleasure that goes along with flaming these people and calling them shitbags in real time. That's That's fantastic. But I'm not the only one, which is which is great. The the memes that are coming out are amazing. Like Elon Musk, meme of the year. Go fuck yourself. That has that has gotten more mileage than anything else that guy is gonna say for the next five years. That was the best thing he could have ever said live on social media to the elite and I'm not a fan. I still think he's a psychopath, but the best meme in the world. Absolutely. Because that has generated more hate and discontent towards the elite than you could possibly imagine. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say the guy is the beacon of free speech. That's a bunch of horseshit. I think he's controlled just like everybody else and a psychopath, but it is what it is. But the ability to be able to call these shitbags out in real time on a medium they still use and still think they have control of is priceless is along with the the amount of vitriol from the crypto community towards Elizabeth Warren because of this conversation. And look, there's three things going on right now that aren't working for the elite. Number one is trying to sell the world on a on a central bank digital currency. You can you can tell just by the rhetoric that it's being driven out of the EU. And you can tell by Jamie Dimon's rhetoric that the, he made a deal over the Epstein piece of this to embrace some kind of a digital dollar and some kind of a central bank digital currency, but it's not working. Everybody sees right through that. And then 
At the same time that's happening, you're watching Vivek and Nikki Haley dying a loud, grotesque military death on stage. And what's interesting about that aspect and that that whole conversation around presidential candidates is that I want to draw your attention to the fact that Scotland, the PM of Scotland, Indian, the PM of Britain, Indian, the PM of Ireland, Indian. And what are they doing right now? They're ushering in central bank digital currency. They're passing more legislation related to what hate speech is. And they're, they're clamping down on people's carbon usage. They're literally ushering in the social scoring system as we speak in real time in Europe. And they're not, they're unarmed. So they, they're, they're not going to be able to fight back like we will. Which brings me to the U.S. Why would you have two Indians on stage at the same time? Because they play both sides of the fence and they're, they, they never bet on one pony. They always bet on two. The question that we need to be asking is, who is going to be the candidate on the other side of the fence? Is it going to be Gruesome Newsome or is it going to be somebody else? My guess is it'll be somebody else. But they can't sell Vivek and they can't sell Nikki Haley. And they can't sell them because the Trump crowd has already decided they're going to vote for Trump. It doesn't matter if he's on the ballot, not on the ballot. They're going to ride his ass in. It doesn't matter. And the elite have not figured out that every single time they persecute the guy, it just moves more people into the staunch go fuck yourself category. We're not going to vote for anybody else now. And so no matter how much they try and pump up Nikki Haley, because she's obviously the pick, because John Kane, John Kerry came out today and said, Nikki Haley's the only one with a shot. No, she's the only one that's never going to have a shot because nobody will embrace her. So that's narrative number two that's failing. Narrative number three that's failing, which I think is priceless, is the, the, the Ukraine Zelensky narrative. So this morning, a couple of different channels on Telegram published that Zelensky's being moved out. There's a coup in place. They're going to they're gonna move in somebody else who's even more awful than he is to prolong the war, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, a number of the pundits in D.C. are talking about if we if we let Ukraine fall, then Putin will go all the way to Europe. All that's horseshit. All of it. Without exception, it's horseshit. Because if Putin was going to go all the way to Kiev, he'd have done it by now. Why? Number one, he has complete dominance of the sky. Complete air supremacy. Number two. The drones have decimated any kind of artillery, tanks, or mechanized equipment the Ukrainians can field in mass. Number three, they can't even evacuate their wounded. If he really wanted to go all the way to Moscow, he'd have done it already. Because Russian doctrine is that you throw mass bodies and sheer numbers to overwhelm your enemy. That has been their doctrine for 150 years. You throw bodies at the problem, and you eventually take over your enemy's positions. He would have done that already. In fact, he's eaten a lot of street cred and political capital by showing restraint for the last two years and attriting them down to a point where they're combat ineffective. And they, the Ukrainian army is combat ineffective right now. 
And they're trying to sell the fact that Zelensky's not the country, he's out fundraising, and if we don't if we don't supply him with arms or more money, then he'll go all the way to, to Eastern or to Western Europe, which is nonsense. If he's going to do that, he's going to do that when he is completely prepared to do that. Wagner is still training his reserve troops and his and his primary replacements right now as we speak. If he was really serious about this, they'd have done this a year ago. And that narrative has fallen apart literally on a daily basis. And all three of those are driving them to pivot and take other actions. And why do I say that? Because over the weekend, specifically yesterday, there was a bunch of posts, not just on, across all of the, um, across all of the, uh, social media platforms, true social, Gab, X, um, some of it was on Facebook, some of it was on Instagram. And here's the interesting side of it. The interesting side of it is Obama was involved in a movie called Leave the World Behind, and it's going to be aired on Netflix. I'm not sure exactly when. And it basically outlines an, uh, a cyber attack. They don't really allude to what it is, but a family goes to a long island for uh, for a vacation they show up they have no tv no cell they have no um they have no internet and they can't figure out what's going on they go home they realize their whole neighborhood's out so there's no technology that to me is an emp strike or worse it is a cyber attack that takes out all forms of communication and then there's the, the premises, there's a coup that's taking place, and they're basically death squads roaming around. There's a bunch of conjecture around it. But look, today, Fox News did a story about Chinese having direct access to all of our critical infrastructure. So let's put this in context. First, the Chinese have had access to our critical systems just like the Russians, the Israelis, everybody else, for the past 15 years. And I could tell you exactly why I know that for a fact. Because I spent almost five years running around the country dealing with FEMA, utilities, businesses, and anybody that was in the utility business trying to convince them to harden their systems because they were using Windows 98, Windows 2005, they were using all kinds of old software to run what's called a SCADA system. If you don't know what a SCADA system is, it's essentially a system that controls valves, train tracks, it controls power distribution, all those hubs that we need to, to distribute power, to switch trains off different tracks, to move water, to move natural gas. Those systems are called SCADA systems, and those systems are designed so that you don't need human interaction, and it all does... It's all happened automatically. Well, utilities like the federal government are a margin business. So it's the lowest bidder that does all this work. And over the years, those systems lag behind because they were legacy systems. And those legacy systems are just now being caught up. But I can tell you that every actor on the planet has, has profiled, they've done surveillance, They've done reconnaissance, and they know exactly how to get into those systems even today. So this is not news. This is them setting conditions 
and driving a narrative for some kind of a mass outage. And if you think back to last year, Klaus Schwab was talking about a cyber storm. So whatever tool they have that can do that, whatever AI, whatever quantum computer they have that can do that, they are setting conditions to unleash that. And I will tell you that if the internet goes down, your cell phone goes down, television goes down, radio goes down, you should pick up a weapon and defend your community because there is no telling what follows that. And I say that because when I did the interview with Michael Yawn on Friday, we talked about the sheer number. We spent about a half an hour before we started recording talking about sheer numbers. And we both estimate that there's somewhere between 45 and 70 million people that have come into this country just since 2020. Think about that. And just here in Phoenix, they're showing up all over the place. And by the way, the Chinese guys that I uh, stared down and, and got into it a few weeks ago, those guys are actually Taiwanese and they're working on the Taiwan plan out here. I actually talked to them the other day. And I was over there staring at them, just walked over there, started talking to them. They're Taiwanese. They actually hate mainland China. So, okay, well, we'll see if that turns out. If I get smoked in the middle of the night, you'll know what happened. But suffice it to say that the the entire conversation has changed because people are starting to see these people in the streets. And if you couple that with the fact the UN's paying them, some of them are being moved to parts unknown. So get away from the blue helmet. They may put, they may do blue helmets and they may put them in uniform, but here's the logistical side of that. They would have already had to have units already set up and doing training right now in order for that to be effective. So whatever format they show up in, your tell is going to be if everything's offline. They're setting, they're, they're building the narrative for it right now. And my guess is they're going to take everything offline. They're going to blame, blame the Chinese or the Iranians or somebody, and they're going to try and usher in the digital currency, the social scoring system, and this control grid all at the same time through this event. And I don't think it's fully baked. I really don't think it's fully baked. But they do predictive programming all the time. And no saying, there's no telling that this event that they're trying to prep the public for will actually transpire that way, but they're prepping the public right now for a mass event. They have to. They have to do something by March or April in order to either declare martial law and do away with the elections in October or November or set conditions so they can cheat again. They have to do something. They cannot continue to absorb the losses that they've absorbed for the last three years and sustain. They don't have public opinion and they don't have the cultural narrative. So whatever they do has to be something big. And I'm not talking about a random mass shooting that people are over that. The mass shooting thing. Now people look at it and go, yep, that's terrible. Move on. And you're also starting to see the narrative around mass shootings that I'm seeing in social media of why isn't anybody looking into why these are happening? And that's coming from the left right now, which I think is priceless. So you're seeing a lot of their their narratives crumble and they're trying to set trying to set the stage for a mass event. They have to. And they're trying to do it all the same. And, and, I, and I've said before, and I think Colonel Conrad and Trouble, we all agree that 
All this stuff's going to happen all at once. So there'll be some kind of a financial shock. I don't know how soon it will be. There'll be some kind of financial shock that will preclude this. And this will be of their doing. But here's the part that, that I want everybody to keep in mind. When you step off the line of departure, the enemy gets a vote. And there's a lot of people paying attention right now to everything the elite are doing. Everything. And you can see the vitriol when you look at the comments that's being beamed back to all of these politicians, these celebrities. Like, go look at The Rock's Twitter and his Instagram. That dude is getting flamed right now. I, I was shocked at some of the things people are saying to him, calling him a grifter. He's Luciferian, child molester. I don't know if any of that's true, but his little advertisement with Oprah Winfrey changed his public perception forever. Just like the Republican debate where Vivek basically scorched earth on Nikki Haley, end of her career, political career over, because he showed her out to be the shill she is. And what's funny is they're both controlled opposition. And I think that whoever his handlers are, are brilliant. Those guys are brilliant PR people because the, the amount of damage he did with one comment, it was like Trump saying to, to uh, Hillary in 20, 2016, if I were in charge, you'd be in prison. That was the best line the guy could have ever said because at that moment, half the country went from kind of supporting him to that's the guy. And they're trying to recreate that Vivek, but it's not working. You know why? Because he's not Trump. And Trump, the American people saw and the mega crowd saw Trump get screwed over along with Carrie Lake and a bunch of others. And they're done. They're not going to vote for anybody else in the Republican establishment. They're not giving any money to the Republican establishment. They're not going to fall for any more of the Republican establishment BS. And Ronna McDaniel can say whatever she wants to say, but she's on her way out. And at this point, I don't get the sense that they know what to do to resuscitate the cultural narrative. And if you've read the book 5, 5G, uh, 5G Warfare, or 5th Gen Warfare, good book. But as I said when I critiqued that book about a year ago, it misses the cultural narrative aspect of information warfare. You can't just look at information warfare from the perspective of flooding the system with garbage and then shaping public opinion. You have to account for the culture you're trying to not only influence, but get their buy-in. And they, they, the elite have not, they don't care what we think. They literally could care less what we have to say. And that's the most amazing part of it. They don't care if we believe them, don't believe them, especially Lindsey Graham. How many different times has that guy changed position? Now he's talking about, he was on a, he was on two different um, interviews last week where he was talking about, we need to secure the borders. Oh, okay. So the same guy that created the problem in the first place that grifted and took money and probably harvest children. I, I don't have, I don't have any illusions about that guy. This is the same guy telling us that we need to secure the border now. And I'm supposed to believe you. This is, this is what tells me they're completely out of ideas because they're, they're trying to recycle issues that Trump brought up back in 2016 and they're not working for them. At the same time that's happening, you're seeing the mainstream media desperately, especially CNN, trying to be relevant. They're not. 
MSDNC literally gets more and more crazy every single time they do a show. And I love it when they say this is detrimental to our democracy. Well, we don't live in a democracy. We live in a constitutional republic, and it's democratic, but it is not a democracy, a true democracy. And every single one of them, well, I shouldn't say that. That's a that's an overgeneralization of stupid people that don't know anything about history. So let me retract that and just say some of them understand what a constitutional republic is. Some of them literally think we live in a democracy. And any historian will tell you, especially a political science major, will tell you that democracies do not survive very long because they literally implode like, like communism does. So it is it is literally hysterical to watch them flailing around trying to figure out where the sweet spot is when none of them have a clue in the first place what the American people care about. And again, if you want to influence the public, you have to understand the culture you're trying to not only influence, but sway their opinion. And that was one of our biggest mistakes when we went into Iraq. We did not understand the culture. And within the first two months, three months, when we did, when the Bush administration pushed debathification, that was the end of the that was the end of the information war in Iraq. We from that point on, we lost it. And we we got it back only because Petraeus was paying people not to shoot at us. But we never really regained the trust of the Iraqi people, and we definitely didn't regain the trust of the Kurds because we screwed them over four or five times. And the point is, if you're gonna if you're gonna do influencing operations on a population, you have to you have to understand exactly how that that culture works, what's important to that culture, and they've spent the last ten years trying to destroy ours, and it's not working. Because I will tell I will tell you that everybody listening to this. I can tell you that the most important thing in your world, it's not your job, it's not your shit, it's your family. And they can shit on that. They can they can push all the trans and transhumanist nonsense, all the Luciferian crap. But I will tell you that the one thing that will keep this entire population together is family. It is something that was that culturally spans the entire planet, not just here. And they grossly misunderstood the value of family to the populations across the planet. And they're never getting it back. Never. People see that. And it, this, is the, this is the interesting side of the narratives that are, they're pushing right now. So you have this, this open attack on Christianity. And I know who's pushing that. That's the Muslim Brotherhood. That's the that's the uh, the Iranians, the Persians, and the Chinese. They they want to kill classic communism. They have to kill the religion that's dominant within the culture they're trying to take over. And when when Stalin did it, he replaced all of the icons of Russian Orthodox and um, the church system with images of himself. Saddam Hussein did exactly the same thing. There was pictures of Saddam in every palace. Every almost every building that I walked into across Iraq, and 
you replace those cultural like those those religious icons with cultural icons and you systematically try and kill the religion but here's the funny thing you can't change a person's belief system and people in this country people in canada people all of the commonwealth even across south america family is the most important thing to all of those cultures you are not going to destroy that with advertising with movies with messaging with luciferian topics you're not going to do it i don't care how much energy and how much influencing and how much ai you throw at that problem you are never going to sway people away from that the core value system of the, this is again this is the part where the chinese grossly misunderstood our population just like the japanese grossly misunderstood the american public at the start of world war ii they did not understand the value of family or the love of country and in this case even the the, the staunchest liberals are fed up you're seeing that across all the blue cities all these these activist communities are starting to come alive because of the migrant migrant problem and I'm telling you that they grossly misunderstood the value system of this country. And the elite are so checked out, so out of touch, so compromised that they cannot see the forest through the trees. And it's a very simple equation. Family, faith, country. That's been our ethos for 250 years. And they are never going to destroy that no matter how much energy they throw at it. And, you know, I feel sorry for the people that are going along with this at the bureaucratic level, because they're the ones that are going to pay the heaviest price. All those unelected bureaucrats that are just going along to get along, they're the ones that are going to pay the heavy price. And there's, there's going to be a point, let's say they pull the trigger on this mass event, there's going to be a point where they lose control. And when they do, you're going to see this go local and then go native. And then you're going to see it start to spread like fucking wildfire across this country. Because there's lots of groups that are quietly preparing, quietly getting ready, quietly taking care of each other, already putting barter systems in place so they don't have to deal with the grocery stores, the high cost of living. And in the background of all of this, there the elite are... They're trying to build the IRS and the IRS confiscation capability. They're trying to privatize government land, which is forests, protected land. They're trying to privatize it right now. There's several bills in front of the house right now. You probably didn't even know that. There's two, I wish I was just reading them this morning. I can't remember the numbers, but there's two bills specifically that basically allowed them to privatize um, land, federal land for exploration of uranium, um, critical, critical minerals, and it's all under the guise of um, conflict with China, and it's it's nonsense. That's this is the this is the elite trying to squeeze the last bit of wealth, last bit of resource control out of the country, and do it legally through through the system, and it's not going to work for them. They may be able to pass it, but they I guarantee you there's going to be some kind of event in the next two weeks, 
that allows them to vote on this before they go on recess. And I, th- I think they go on recess this week. I, I can't remember. I just don't pay attention to it. But uh, somebody alerted me to these these two pieces of legislation that are sitting there. And that's why all this Kabuki theater around the central bank digital currency, all this other nonsense. They're trying to keep your eyes off the line of sight of what they're actually doing. And they're trying to extract the last bit of wealth out of the country. And that's not going to work for them. Because like I said, once they kick this off, all bets are off. And they're going to lose control. I can't I can't emphasize that enough. I don't know why I say that. I just do. But the key point here is remember who we are. Don't lose sight of that. I have a lot of people, and I'm and I'm responding specifically to a number of comments I got on Saturday and Sunday from the Michael Yon interview from people that are that were astonished at the number of people that are being brought into this country. 12,000 a day across the border that they make contact with. Let me say it again. 12,000 a day that they make contact with. That's not the flights in. That's not the other means that they bring in. That's not people they don't can, they don't contact on the border that are just going right in the population. 12,000 a day that they know of. And people are astonished to hear 45 to 70 million. They're trying to replace our population. China literally wants to replace us long-term. And if you tie it all together, all the way back to the bioweapon that is the vaccines, you will see that right now there's a mass die-off occurring right before your eyes, and no one's even paying attention to it. Along with that, Chinese are being exfiltrated all over the planet, not just here. They're wholesale moving people out of China to all parts, all parts of the world, establishing bases, mineral rights, building mines, building communities, building Chinese autonomous zones across the planet. Their long-term plan is to take us over just by taking over the country with sheer numbers. And I've said before, 330 million, China could export 330 million without breaking a sweat. There's a bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is they hit us with a bioweapon. Now they're moving in. And the the government here is helping them. Our government, through the UN, NGOs, and a number of others, are helping this mass invasion occur, paying people to come here. And I'm saying that because now if there's any other time in our history where you should spend some time in the books to understand what our forefathers went through to create the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, now's the time. And are the Federalist Papers boring? Dry as hell. But I will I will guarantee you, they will open your eyes to all the things that those men were considering as they were writing the Constitution. And we, as the torchbearers, we have to remind the rest of the country who we are, what we are, what we're about. That's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen organically. It's going to come from the more senior and the more 
the more well-rounded of our society. We have to be the torchbearers to remind everybody who we are. And that's not a legacy thing. That's keeping people grounded into why we are pushing back, why we are fighting to preserve our way of life. Because people have forgotten and they've taken it for granted and they've dumbed down the education system. They've dumbed down the media. I mean, have you even asked a kid if they can read an analog clock? Most of them can't. Most, most news anchors can't tell you where Tajikistan is or even Afghanistan. Most of them don't even know where Vietnam is at or Myanmar. We have to be the ones that bring everybody back to the same page. And it's not just here. It's, it's across the globe. You know, I served with uh, Canadian armor units uh, back when I was a captain. And I will tell you that every, every, every country has, and every military has their own pride in their own military. And I, I, the, the guys I served with way back when they were, they were patriots to Canada, patriots. And those guys still exist. They're still around. You can't tell me all those guys have walked away. Just like in Australia. I, yeah. In fact, one of the guys, his name was Perry. When I showed up in, in Mosul, here's this guy. He's on the, he's on the tarmac and he's got his, his old steel pot from World War II that we used to wear. And he's got the old frogman camo on it. He literally looked like GI Joe. I mean, it was priceless. And <clears throat> I got a chuckle out of it when I saw him, but, um, the point is, I get off the plane and there's this Australian guy, but he turned out to be one of the most brilliant information warfare officers I've ever worked with. And I learned more from that guy in the span of two months than I did three to five years prior to that. He was, he understood the culture. He understood the messaging. He understood the, the situation and he understood how to reach the Iraqi people. And it was something that all of us were struggling to catch up with. But that guy was, he was a staunch patriot to Australia. Staunch. He was a major just like me. And I walked away with a new appreciation for all these other services. So it, you can't tell me that there's not patriots in every country that want to see, that want to see things, the ship righted. And you can't you can't tell me that there's there's nobody left. I don't buy that because I see it every day. And I I'm, the more I'm the one thing I hear the most is let's get on with it. Let's just do it. And the other thing I hear is how many people are here? How do you think things are going to go? When are things going to kick off? Who can I count on? How do I reach people? Et cetera, et cetera. And they're out there. I know they exist. I know they're in every community, probably laying low. You can find them, and I suggest you do. But I also suggest you do some history, some history lessons on your own country, especially Americans. Americans don't know shit about the Constitution. And most Americans have never read the Constitution. 
I suggest you read it so you know what you're defending. It was one of the first things that my first my first squadron commander, literally I sat down, reported in, and he handed me a copy of the Constitution and said, stick that in your pocket. I'm going to come back to you in a month and I'm going to ask you questions about it. And you should know every line and verse of that. And I'm like, why is that, sir? He goes, because that's what you're defending. If you don't know it, you're in the wrong business. Check Roger. Yeah, Chris, Rock Lobster, really. I like the B-52s. Bill me. The point is, we have to be the torchbearers to keep people on the ground and the heads pointed in the right direction. Sometimes that's just a gentle nudge. Hey, this is what we're doing. Sometimes you grab them by the ears and point them in the right direction. That day is coming. And that day is probably, we're, we're, we're right on the precipice, whether it's a week or two, a day or two, or a month or two. The fact that they changed this messaging yet again tells me that they're running out of options, which is why I'm saying all this. Now, the other thing that, that was interesting this week that I'm seeing more and more of is I'm seeing more and more senior people and more and more, um, they're not famous people, but people that are in the system, in the media that are passing away from either unknown circumstances, blood clots, or other things. But I'm also seeing, and this is the, this is the interesting, interesting side of this, there's some kind of cognitive decline that goes along with the vaccines. And depending on which lot you got, I'm sure it's worse than others. But you're seeing people go over the edge and go off the reservation. And we're seeing more and more of that. And I think the, um, and I was reminded that one of my admins said it to me for the third time this week. And I had, it didn't register with me until I reread it this morning. And he was telling me that the hospitals are seeing more and more erratic behavior and more mental issues across the spectrum, which I think is interesting. But it it stands to reason that if there's something in the vaccine that affects cognitive function, you're going to see people go off the reservation. And we're only going to see more of that. And I'm wondering what it's going to take for people to start making the association. And this is the funny part. I had a conversation with a guy today that is he's in a different a different part of my company but he's had all kinds of health issues and i didn't know he was having health issues until until this morning and i said you know i've seen you for heard from you in a while he goes i've been i've been sick i have i have blood clot issues i have i have um respiratory issues and now i'm i'm starting to have memory issues <clears throat> and what I wanted to say was, let me guess, you're vaccinated. And instead I said, when did you get the vaccine? He goes, I got the vaccine in 2021, but I got the booster in 22. And ever since I got the booster, I've had nothing but health problems. And they literally started from the moment I got home. I started having shortness of breath and other issues. And now I'm having... I'm having all kinds of issues. The blood clots are new. The memory issues started about middle of the year this year. So I don't know if any, if half the population is starting to figure it out. There's a certain popular part of the population that won't figure it out. But I'm seeing more and more rhetoric around this and the cognitive issues, which I hadn't seen before. 
and that's good. And the New Zealand disclosure, I think, was very interesting. Of course, they arrested the guy, which means they're going to try and obfuscate it. But the word is getting out. The question is, when does the avalanche occur and all the information comes out? Because I really want to know what's in those vaccines. But more importantly, I want to know who the belly button is that designed all of this. This had to be one or two people at the very top that decided how this was going to go and how they were going to sell it. There's just too many parts of this that don't add up. But we're seeing all this all at the same time. And I don't think that the the vaccines or the vaccine um, the vaccine side effects or the deaths, I don't think that's driving this narrative with the with the elite. I think what's driving this narrative is the fact that they can't sell any of the programs that they were banking on selling to us during COVID. And yeah, you have to give them credit because they were highly effective during the pandemic at getting people to turn on their neighbors. We had three classes of people in this country, the vaccinated, the non-vaccinated, and then everybody else. And everybody else was that group in the middle that laid low and 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 tried to stay under the radar and took the unemployment, took the COVID money, stayed under the radar, did all the did all the neat things to to stay employed. There's a there's that group out there too. Some of them are vaccinated, some of them aren't. But the whole class system they created, highly effective information operations. Highly effective. Especially when you had people that were Getting tattoos, they got vaccinated. That is unbelievably effective information operations. So all of that's starting to fall apart now. And I'm just waiting for the massive disclosure to happen. I think it's going to happen any day now. I think the New Zealand disclosure will embolden other people. I think the disclosures around the um, the money laundering from FTX, that's there's more, there's more of that to come out, some of which I know about. I'm just waiting for it to hit the press. So if you don't know about the FTX stuff, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell had war chests that they used to influence races in Michigan, I think in Georgia and here in Arizona. In fact, Juan Sismani was basically put in office by the only Republican in Pima County that was put in office by Kevin McCarthy's war chest from FTX. And he's openly talking about it now with the press that he influences these these elections that's treason folks pure and simple treason and the fact that he used ftx money and he's he's explicit that he used a war chest that's admitting fraud which is unbelievable which means the guy's protected so we're going to see a bunch of things happen probably in january as soon as they come back into session Number one, the Republicans will lose a majority because McCarthy and two others are leaving. They only have a four-seat majority. So they're going to—they're purposely handing this back to the Democrats, and they're doing it so that they can change the Constitution with a majority vote and enact more of their ridiculous policies. This, this sideshow that you're watching right now is just a show. It's just kabuki theater going after Mayorkas. Congress has the power right now to stop Every bit of this. They can defund the IRS. They can defund the FBI. They can defund the NSA. They can defund DHS. 
and they've done none of it. And now they've kicked out George Santos. Now they're, they've they've censured somebody else. Kevin McCarthy's leaving, and I think one other um, senator is leaving before the end of the year. A House member, sorry, leaving before the end of the year. This is on purpose. This is so that they can plausibly deny, oh, we, we'll get them next time because you had so many people leave. And if you don't know how it works in, in every state, if somebody vacates office, I think the appointment is done by the governor or by the, the legislature in that in that state. Every state's different. But I know that there's it comes out of whoever's in charge. You don't think that the elite plan for this? Think about Katie Hobbs selecting somebody. Who do you think Katie Hobbs is going to select to replace Mark Kelly or Kristen Cinema? You think it's going to be a, a Republican? I don't think so. It's going to be somebody equally awful and incompetent as Mark Kelly. The game's rigged. That's why I don't pay attention to it. And my point of saying all of that is you're seeing the culmination of a lot of things all at the same time. We're marching towards it, and we're not that far off. And now we need now is the time where we all need to remind ourselves of who we are. Because you're about to ask, you're about to get asked the question whether you like it or not. Am I in this for the right reason? Am I picking a side? And which side am I going to be on? And am I willing to sacrifice everything for our way of life? My answer is yes, I am. I'm willing to sacrifice everything because I don't want my kids to live in a communist country. And I definitely don't want my kids to live under the rule of a bunch of psychotic child molesters not going to happen that's the question you got to ask yourself on the admin side of the house we'll be back wednesday i'm not sure uh, if it's going to be me and troop or if it's going to be me troop conrad i'm not sure what everybody's got going on um but we'll be back wednesday at, at five o'clock and uh We'll, uh, I'll definitely, and Chris, just for you, I'm going to pick another B-52 song just for uh, just for Wednesday, just to drive you crazy. That's how I roll. And Wednesday, we'll probably have a lot more to talk about. I think we're going to see some things develop over, over the next 48 hours, especially in Ukraine. We're going to see some things moving in the wrong direction there. And I think it's going to be much to the chagrin of the elite. And all of this started with the peace, the peace conversation, there's some kind of a peace, you know, uh, brokering for a peace deal. And I think it was Sweden where Zelensky said it. So we're going to see some movement in the next 24 to 48 hours. Maybe not, but I think so. Until then, dig into the books, read the Federalist Papers, and figure out what it is we're fighting for. And remember, the most important thing in this country is your family. God bless everyone. One team, one fight.